happy Sabbath to you all over the world and glad to be on another session here of GTM1. I hope everyone's doing well. We've just got over the spring holiday season and coaching now waiting for Pentecost. So I hope that you've had a good week. And the title of my message today is Dropping the Negative Strongholds to Bananas in Your Lives. Now, you may be wondering how bizarre a title, and hopefully that Norbert hasn't gone off the deep end. Well, I don't think I have, but I'm using this bananas scenario as an analogy of what I'm trying to get across on the message today. I was reading some time ago about a unique way that monkeys are captured for a zoo. And I read in the article that it strongly portrays something that I want to portray to you as brethren on what we can also get trapped into. So I'll give you the analogy to start off. And this is apparently a true way of how they capture monkeys for a zoo. So what they do is to take the small cage into the jungle and inside that cage, they place a bunch of bananas. But it'd have to be a bunch of bananas. They close the cage, they lock it, looking, locking the bunch of bananas inside that cage. Now, as the monkey comes along and spots the bananas in the cage, he will reach into the cage, of course, because he craves bananas through the narrow rungs and grab the bunch of bananas as they crave for that food. However, in doing so, the monkey is unable to pull a bunch of bananas through the rungs of the cage as the spacing on the rungs are too narrow. And he tries and tries with no success not letting go of the bunch of bananas. Now, even while this is occurring and the trappers come upon him, the monkey will not let go of the bunch of bananas. The monkey is entrapped and done to himself as it allows the trappers to grab the monkey very easily. Now, you may wonder, what relevance does this have in our spiritual lives, in our journey, the walk of God? Well, brethren, this is the point of my message today. The point is driven home, brethren, that if we saw this happening before us, physically saw it and wanted to save that monkey, from being entrapped, would we not just yell out in exasperation, say, drop the bananas? 
It would be frustrating for us to watch this because it is so difficult to imagine why the monkey would not drop the bananas and simply run away and avoid being caught. The solution is so simple, it's so clear. The monkey could easily forego the bananas and take off and not be trapped. Now, brethren, this is the lead up to my message to all of us. And I include myself as well. Do we, brethren, in our lives, sometimes hang on to our problems, our past experiences, our feelings, our attitudes, attitudes that cloud our perspective, attitudes that alter our actions, attitudes that sidetrack our best intentions, and we simply won't let them go even when it is definitely in our best interest to do so we too brethren entrap ourselves by hanging on so the question i'm asking each one of us and you what are you what am i holding on to that is holding us back and preventing us from moving forward in our walk with god what is it that those around us would wish we would just let go of? What is weighing you down because you simply refuse to let it go? I think I can speak for a good majority of all of us and admit there are things, whether they are still there or where we continue to think that some of the things we hang on to or sometimes don't even identify or recognize which we think makes our lives better, actually are things that make our life much more complicated, just like the monkey, not letting go and giving the opportunities for others to entrap him. Brethren, what is slowing us down because we just won't put it down we must ask that question of ourselves things from our past things that have occurred from our past that we find more comfortable to hang on to but are slowing us down and affecting us in extremely negative ways sometimes physically and more often spiritually. We hold on to things that we use to sometimes explain our behavior, why we do things the way we do, why we behave in circumstances the way we do. We hold on to past experiences to excuse our lack of growth in life, whether it be mentally, socially, and more importantly, spiritually. Those excuses trap us, brethren, in a life we do not really seek or want, but are not willing to do anything about it. Can you personally relate to this? I unfortunately can. And sometimes we hang on so tight 
that we are completely trapped and do not even see that we are in that state. What are we hiding that we do not want anyone to find out about? This thing that you and I are dragging around hoping that no one will ever find out. But in many cases, they do know that something is up. They can see it in your character, in your behavior, in your responses and or actions. Sometimes we tend to play games with ourselves and carry around something that really we do not need to be carrying around any longer. Rather, each one of us should be asking the question of ourselves, what are we holding on to that is making a monkey out of ourselves? We must determine in our minds, in our hearts, that if we want a better life, including our spiritual lives, we genuinely want to overcome and grow. We must drop that bananas or that banana or the bunch of bananas. We must drop that stronghold onto which we are holding. It is that simple. In our own lives, the banana, the stronghold can be anything that keeps us from seeing things as they are doing what we should be doing. It can be something in our behavior that we know we need to drop, but we just will not let it go. Sometimes we do not even recognize it as being a negative stronghold that is holding us back from advancing in our conversion process. So these bananas that we hang on to and become strongholds of our lives are described by Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. Let's turn there, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the overthrowing of strongholds. The overthrowing of strongholds. Strongholds are those things that become a constant pull in the wrong direction for us. It is a heavily fortified position in our life that to we need to get rid of, to let go of. When we do not get rid of these strongholds, then Satan is open to attack us on our own turf, behind our own defenses. It is not something that we see coming because it is already there working against us from the inside. The cornerstone of a stronghold is laid in an in this undisciplined mind, brother. Let's turn to Proverbs 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Above all, guard the door of your mind. We've read this many times with diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. 
It is saying we need to protect our minds, brethren. We need to be diligent about it because our thoughts determine the course of our life, sometimes physically, but also more often spiritually. We do need to protect our minds. By not actively attacking our negative strongholds, we are by default holding on to them. We are holding off opportunities. We are holding off a better, more meaningful life. We are holding off the life that we are all wanting, the life that God wants for us. If we do not take the strongholds down, they will take us down. It's that plain and simple. When Paul asked, who your master in Romans 6.16, let's turn to Romans 6.16, Romans 6.16. Don't you realize that to whom you yield yourself as servants to obey, you are servants of the one who you obey, whether it is of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. He says, don't you realize, very simply, brethren, when we do not let go of the bunch of bananas, the stronghold in our life, we are actually obeying it. We are a slave to it. And unfortunately, that could lead us to death. Paul is telling us that this is important. It's really a big deal. Sin, we are told in John or First John three verse four, is the transgression of God's law. We all know that. Now, if in the heat of the moment you do not think you can remember God's laws, let me give you hack for that. Sin is anything that you do that undermines your relationship with God or undermines someone else's relationship with God. So if it is not building us up, not building up, it is sin. And we know that sin leads to death. And we know that is not good. Verse 17, Romans 6. But be, but thanks be to God that you are the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Brethren, we are all used to be slaves to sin. But we have been called to let go of that and run a new pattern of thought, a new way of seeing the world, a new way of seeing God, our relationship, our finances, our past experiences, our genetic inheritance. We, brethren, are no longer our own. We are no longer slaves to that's just the way I am. 
or that is the way my family is. That should be all over, brethren, in our lives. Those are just excuses. Verse 19, I speak from a human point of view because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you have once yielded your members in bondage to uncleanness and to lawlessness and to unlawlessness, so now yield your members in bondage to righteousness unto sanctification. We are not our own. We are God's. We belong to God. Does our behavior, does our thinking, does our perspective on life glorify the God to whom we belong? Questions we must ask ourselves, brethren. As Paul said, we know all of this. So why, brethren, let us ask ourselves, do not we sometimes just drop the banana? Why don't we drop the bananas? The stronghold that is persistently being hung onto, why do we not move forward? Is that a valid question, brother? Is that a valid question? Why do we not move forward at times? Brethren, the number one reason many times we don't is that we don't want to. We don't want to let go of those long-standing strongholds, those thoughts, those habits, those excuses and the behaviors. We have been too growing, growing too comfortable with the things just the way they are. Not great, but not that bad either. We may not like our situation, but it has become part of the story we tell ourselves and we share with others. It unfortunately many times forms our identity, it is who we are. Jesus addressed this issue with a man on the Sabbath day. Let's turn to John 5 verse 1, which illustrates very well what I'm trying to get across. John 5 verse 1. After these things there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So he was in Jerusalem at a pool called Bethesda. Around this pool sat the infirm, sick, and blind people in dire need of healing. The reason for this is we learned from time to time an angel would stir up water, and the first person in the water at that time would be healed. So many people sat there waiting, and you could imagine that scene. Verse 5, now a certain man was there who had been suffering with an infirmity for 38 years. 38 years, that's a long time. The man had an infirmity. Now it says that Jesus knew this 
and considering the man's condition and situation and the fact that he was sitting around the pool, Jesus asked him what might seem like a strange question. He asked him, do you want to be healed? Remember, keeping in mind that this man had been sick for 38 years. The question seemed redundant. The answer, a foregone conclusion. If you personally were standing there and heard this asked of the man, you would want to interrupt and jump in and say, of course he wants to be healed. He is sick. He has been this way for 38 years. What do you mean by that question? He was there at the pool, wasn't he? You may think this question was strange on the surface, but was it really, brethren? Was that question strange? Could it be that this man had become so accustomed to his condition after 38 years that he liked it that way? Is it possible that he liked it that way so Jesus had to ask him the question, do you want to be healed? Or has your condition become your story? Is it how you get attention? Is it how you explain your existence? Do you get the drift from what I'm saying, brethren? Is it possible that it is the way we sometimes deal with problems that we have become accustomed to the life we lead in the world that surround us? So accustomed to the problems we have, so comfortable with the excuses that we cling to, so accustomed to the feelings and insecurities that enslave us, that Christ comes to us asking the same question. Do you really want my help? Do you want to experience the power of God in your life? Do you want to have your prayers answered? Do you really want to overcome or at least to bring under control the problems that have been plaguing you for so long? Do you want to remove the spots and wrinkles so that you might inherit the kingdom of God? So that God will be able to use you in his plans for all eternity? The question is, do you really want God's help? Do you really want God's help? Brethren, when you really consider we have all the power in the universe available to us to get down in our lives what needs to be done, to overcome the insecurities, the habits that we have, the worries, the depression, the sins, the anger, and the family history 
that plagues us. Really, when you think about it, it is amazing that we have any problems at all. But reality is, we do. We really do. Throughout the Bible, we find over and over again scriptures that tell us about the power that is available to us. Let's turn to Ephesians 3, verse 20. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is working in us. We have that potential. Philippians 4, verse 13. Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. For this reason, I take pleasure in weaknesses, in insults, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There's many more other scriptural references. All this points to is to the fact that we have a special strength that is available to us that is a match to any problem that we face in our lives. And yet, here we are today, you and I, dealing with and excusing away the same problems, the same issues. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to mankind. For God, who is faithful, will not permit you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape so that you may be able to bear it. We are promised that, brethren. That is a promise from God to each one of us. At this time of year, as we have just come out of the spring holy days, the days of unleavened bread, where we make a concerted effort to examine ourselves and leave our sins behind, to drop those bananas, those negative strongholds that leave us vulnerable to Satan and a slave to sin. So, brethren, we should seriously think about these situations we have or get ourselves into. 
Why are we continually plagued by long outstanding problems, just like the crippled man was? Why aren't they overcome or at least brought under control? I ask you the question, brethren, this evening. Could it be, brethren, that is, is maybe the way we want it? Don't bug me. Leave me alone. Can we get that into our mindsets, brethren? Is that possible? Each one of you can answer that. But I personally have thought that at times in the past. We are all vulnerable, brethren. We are all vulnerable. John 5, verse 8. John 5, verse 8. Jesus said to him, Arise, take up your bedroll, and walk. Going down to 14. After these things, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have made been made whole. Sin no more so that something worse does not happen to you. Brethren, we know that disease is not necessarily a consequence of sin. It can be, as in the case, as was revealed to us by this verse we just read. Would it be reasonable to conclude that this man we just read about committed sin because he wanted to? Because he was comfortable with it? So Jesus asked them the question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to stop sinning? Do you want, question mark, to drop the bananas, that stronghold in your life? All valid questions, brethren, he had for this man. We know that some sin can be pleasurable, at least for a short time. There is sometimes fun, and many times we do not think we are harming anyone, let alone ourselves. And God does not knock us over every time we do something wrong. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. We find Solomon saying, no one is stopping us. Because sentence against the sin is not executed speedily. And we can become very comfortable and think that it is so okay. But is it, brother? Is it? Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, after becoming a great leader, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25. Choosing to suffer 
affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the temporary pleasure of sin. Good example. Brethren, the fleeting pleasures of sin, they are real. No question about it. They are real. It is not always difficult, uncomfortable thing to live with sin in our lives. And we all know that. In fact, at times, it's just the way we want it. Is not that a terrible thing to say? But we as humans, with carnal nature, free moral agency, just sometimes create such situations. Brethren, we need to be observant and catch ourselves when we hear ourselves saying, I tried, but I just can't do it. I tried, but I just can't do it. The bells and wish whistles should go off in our minds, in our head, and give us a red alert. It should be triggered as we have the power, brethren, to deal with this. It is available to us. We cannot and we should not let us fool ourselves. It's very easy for us to get into a mode of thinking that it's not even that we cannot or we tried. It is really that we don't want to. We don't want to let the bananas go. The stronghold that is holding us there in captivity. We are not disciplined, brethren, at times, and it is a weakness we all have. Sometimes we often give up or lose faith in God because we confuse source with process. The source of the power is to overcome, and it is available to all of us. But that does not solve the problem by itself. The process of overcoming is hard, and we can all attest to that. It requires our participation, our struggles, our perseverance, and our willpower. There is a cost that can be hard to pay. It is the old adage that we as humans have a limited amount of willpower. But brethren, willpower will be not like a fire extinguisher. Once we use it, the tank is empty. It's more like a muscle. It weakens when you don't use it. But it strengthens, strengthens when you do use it. It must be developed. And the more we use it, the stronger it gets. When it is weak, we need to slow down and take precautions. Willpower or self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. And we are expected to grow and use it. 
why do we often hang on to things? Because if we let them go, those things that we are familiar with makes us anxious. It takes us into the unknown, a new path not clearly seen. We will ask the question, what will I do? I feel totally out of control. Philippians 4 verse 6. <laughs> Philippians 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God in everything. That is a formula for success. A way to drop the bunch of bananas. Prayer and supplication coupled with gratitude. And gratitude is a huge part of life change. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Brethren, we become anxious when we try to control things that are out of our control. That peace Paul refers to comes only to us when we let go, when we surrender everything. We do not have because we are finally in control of our life because we have eliminated the uncertainties of life. We have peace when we no longer need to control. When we turn our life over to God and trust him with the uncertainties of our life, we bring that peace that passes all understanding into our lives. It passes all understanding because it is counterintuitive. Letting go of control brings peace. Trusting in God brings peace. There are many things in life we cannot control, but there are important things that we can control, like our character, our choices, and the way we approach life. We all need to work on those things. Depression should be our past. Remembering is one thing. Looking back is quite another. We need to see our past differently. Anxiety is about an imagined future with limited possibilities. Depression, worry, and anxiety are diminished when we have clarity about what really is important. We must let go, brethren, at times to move into the future that God has set for us. Paul tells us that we are to drop the bananas in Ephesians 4.31. Let the bitterness, the indignation and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be removed from you together with all malice. Chapter 4. 
he begins telling us to live a life worthy of our calling, brethren, worthy of the understanding that we have been given. Let's go back to verse 17. So then I declare and testify this in the Lord that you are no longer to walk even as the rest of the Gentiles are walking in the vanity of their minds. Brethren, let us not live in the futility of the thinking like those that live without the knowledge that God has personally given us. They are depressed. They are anxious, worried, getting their own way, seeing life from the wrong point of view. Let us work on not doing that, brethren. It's a challenge for us all, each one of us. We have been given a distinct perspective on life, the perspective of those around us, and much of the advice you will find comes from a heart that is hearkened to the ways of God. Paul is telling us not to let this shape our thinking or our perspective on life. Verse 31 again. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be removed from you together with all malice. Brethren, we must get rid of all of that. Paul is basically saying, let's clean the house. Does not matter if your grandmother or your grandfather was that way. Drop it. Drop it now. Everyone is tired of our sad stories, and we all have them. If you personally do not get rid of it, it will ruin and rule your life. Everything you think and do will be filtered through the lens of your sad story. That is not what we have been invited into, brethren. That is not what Paul says. We have been taught the pattern of teaching we find in God's word. In verse 23, he says, we are to put the old thinking behind us and take hold of a novel approach. There are a few things more exhausting and debilitating than giving your life to the wrong things. How many of us are fighting battles we never meant to fight because we simply haven't dropped the bananas, that negative stronghold in our life in the first place. Instead of dealing with the issues that are before us, we live with them. We make poor choices and we find ourselves in situations we were never meant to be in or that we can deal with. When you deviate from where you should be, you make poor choices. It is time to face our issues head on, brethren, and move back to the path that God meant for each one of us to be on. Paul mentions bitterness. Bitterness is hard to let go of, 
especially when it is the only thing standing between you and a breakdown. But as Paul tells us, we must let it go. Anyone who is bitter does not want to hear the fact, while what you experienced is not your fault, your future, your future is your responsibility. The choices you make from here on in are yours, and yours only, no matter what happened to you. God has given us choices. That can be a tough thing to swallow at times in our lives. This is when it helps to get yourself around people that are filled with optimism and hope. There is nothing worse than hanging out with a bunch of negative people. We find that courage to drop those bananas and move forward when we are in the presence of the courage of others. Brethren, that is why we have each other. Each one of us, that is why we have each other. We have all faced struggles and endured pains, and we continue to do it is no shame. There are areas where God is collaborating closely with us, and we don't even know sometimes. Paul said he was made strong in his weakness. Our scares do not display weakness, but the courage to learn and to grow. Brethren, these obstacles, those things we sometimes hang on to, are imposter shepherds. They lead us to destruction. They tend to begin to rule our lives. They superimpose our thinking operating program that causes us, causes us to misinterpret everything around us, even the word of God. We lose touch with reality. We lose who we are. We are led down the wrong path and to the wrong choices. Jesus talks about this in John 10, John 10, verse 1. John 10, verse 1. Truly I say to you, the one who does not enter the sheepfold through the door, but climbs up some other way, that one is a thief and a robber. It is not from the word of God. If it does not reflect the mind of God, it is coming to you through the door. It is an imposter, brethren. It is not the real shepherd. Verse 2, but the one who enters through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, that when he brings the sheep out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. It is clear. It is strong. 
It is comforting. It is safe. Verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger, for they will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of the strangers. Jesus spoke this parable to them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. We, brethren, were called to know and to follow the shepherd's voice. We can all listen to the voices in our head telling us to act on our insecurity, our sad stories, or our past, or what someone else is doing. The way we are wired can lead us in the wrong direction, and we have to be very careful. Very careful. Verse 7. Therefore Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. What we hang on to will steal our hope, kill our connection to God, and destroy our life. If we are his, we will not listen to those voices. To drop the negative strongholds in our lives, the bananas, is to have life to the full as God intends. The problem is within. It is not God. It's not other people. It is not our circumstances. It is us, brethren, each one of us. It is us. It's how we have chosen to respond to what life has thrown at us. It is a mismanagement of our minds. What are we holding on to that is holding us back? What are we holding on to? That is holding us back. You know, brethren, we could be holding on to something that is not necessarily wrong. But we sometimes we need to let go of it, even if it's temporarily. It does not necessarily mean forever. Every season of life requires different things from us. For example, what you could rightfully hang on to as a single person is different than what you should hang on to as a married person. What are you holding on to? That may be a good thing in a different season of life, but right now it is just a hindrance to where you are and where you need to focus. Self-awareness comes into play. Self-awareness is examining ourselves personally, which we were in the process of doing with the days that have just gone by, the days of unleavened bread, and asking the question continually, how is my behavior affecting those around me? We must ask ourselves, how did I come to see the world this way? 
there is something we need to let go of. As God's people, we are to see the world from a new mindset, brother. What is a mindset? A mindset is an attitude. It is a collection of thoughts which information and emotions attach that create a particular perspective on life. It is a filter for everything that we experience in life. Remember, this is important because our perspective determines our future. Our future is not linear. It is dynamic. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform yourselves to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in order that you may prove what is well-pleasing and good in the perfect will of God. Paul connects the renewing of our mind to a new future. We must examine our thoughts and know where they come from, brother. And then we are told in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we are to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. An average individual, an average person has over 30,000 thoughts a day and sometimes more. That is a lot of thoughts to sift through, and with every thought having the potential to change who we are, and that is critical. With one thought about every three seconds, bring every thought into captivity is a monumental task. I would say it's impossible. However, the task before us is to ponder every thought that we have. What we need to do is to examine the filter through which we allow our thoughts to enter our mind or be processed in the mind in the first place. We must identify the source of our thoughts and filter through which we allow them to linger. <laughs> or be spread to those around us. We, brethren, design a mindset by intentionally shaping our external inputs, such as what we read, our experiences, what we consume on the internet, where we go, and the people we surround ourselves with. If we do not, our environment will shape us and determine our mindset. And we are guaranteed to move away from God. It's bound to happen. It is each one of our responsibilities to choose the environment that will shape who we are. And of course, again, it is our choice, gar godly or carnally.
Brethren, we cannot move through life on an autopilot. God asks us to be intentional and see life from the new perspective. The point of renewing our minds and bringing every thought into captivity is so that we are not limited by our own minds. What God is teaching us is beyond the ability to imagine for ourselves. It is why humility is so important, brethren. Humility is so important. As soon as we think we know, we stop learning. There is much to learn if we can lay down our pride. We are to let go of the past and grab hold of the future. A mind disconnected from God is a small mind trapped in a small world. Have you ever noticed that people who hate their life are the least likely to change it? Their mind is shut down to possibilities. It becomes a trap. When we are told in Philippians to think on what is good, it is because it is a way out of anything we have experienced. It provides a way to drop the memories that trap us. Those who love their life are more likely to grow and change because their minds are open. Not to mention the fact that they are bound to make fewer wrong decisions when your mind is in the right place. To look at a life in a positive way is not a naive view of life, but our proper response to God and what he has done for us. Brethren, what is something that is one of the hardest things to let go of? John 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. God and his son loved us so much that Jesus gave his life for us, even though we did not appreciate it. Understanding the depth of that sacrifice, brethren, which we were just reminded of with Passover, but not only at Passover, but throughout the year should be a key part in a worthy manner and seeing life as we should. But being asked in verse 13 to lay down one's life, let's read it. No one has greater love than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Laying one's life down for his friends seems a bridge too far. That would be a huge gift, to say the least. People have done it through the, for all kinds of reasons. And I can picture scenarios where I might do it, but I think the implications of verse 13 go deeper and harder than simply 
giving up my physical life for yours? What if I give my life for you and I had to live with my decision every day for the rest of my life? Christ and God the Father now live with their decision to make possible the forgiveness of our sin and the possibility of our eternal life daily, even though most people have no appreciation for it and walk all over everything they stand for. Ask yourself the question, could I do that? Would I do that? That is supernatural love. It does not come naturally to us. A successful Christian will take ownership of their situation, brethren. And an unsuccessful Christian will blame others and spend their time on the issues that they really cannot do anything about. They Then they stagnate. People who take responsibility for their lives have the power to make changes. We must be accountable. Brethren, it was some time back I read about an individual, and I'm not sure where I read it, but I will never forget it. So I'd like to share that idea with you. I was a revolutionary when I was young. And all my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the energy to change the world. As I got older, approached middle age, and realized that my life was half gone without my changing a single soul, I changed my prayer to, Lord, give me the grace to change all those who encounter me. Just my family and friends, and I will be satisfied. Now then I am an old man, and my days are numbered. I have begun to see how foolish I have been. My one prayer now is, Lord, give me the grace to change myself. If I had prayed, this right from the start, I would not have wasted my life. Brother, I ask you, have we wasted our life? A valid question each one of us can ask, but we want to be the one out front leading the charge with our pet ideas or the one trying to control the situation of other people. That is much easier than examining our own behavior and learning to control ourselves. That is not so much fun. There is no apparent glory in that. 
It's a challenging work. There is a lot of inertia to overcome. So what happens? Our problems are now our habits. We have grown accustomed to our problems. And over time, we find them easier to justify and find excuses. Someone once said that the adults are just children with better excuses. Sure, we might acknowledge it as a problem. But what is sometimes our favorite line, but we can work around it, or we look what they are doing so it's comparatively not so bad. Evoking the principles of relative sin. I am not so bad, but they are much worse. Brethren, we should and we must know better. This life we have been called to is not about getting better than the next guy. It's about continually improving ourselves. We must raise the bar on ourselves, set higher and higher standards for ourselves. We do not have any business being mastered by anything or anyone because we have a new master, God the Father. Jesus Christ. God has invited us into a way of life where we are to let go of every encumbrance because we want to be fully his, fully submitted to his way of life. So brethren, this may be hard to swallow, but let's consider this. The long outstanding problems that we may have and ask ourselves, the problem is really that we don't really want to utilize the power of God. Use the Holy Spirit we have in our lives to make the necessary changes. We must. Am I speaking out of turn, brethren? Hopefully I'm not. What are we hanging on to that we would be best rid of? What private agendas are we hanging on to that do not allow us to get God's help? How can we get out of our own way so we do not block the still voice of God? Brethren, we cannot answer these questions without humility. It takes a degree of humility to answer these questions if the answers are going to move us forward, closer to God. Otherwise, it's easy to look through the distortions that make us look and feel better and the torturous logic that betrays us so easily. Brother, so... Please do not take this as an extremely negative message, but rather answer the question on a positive note and 
know that we can make the changes necessary that we need to make with the help of God's Holy Spirit. We have been granted that, brethren. Let us use it. The Holy Spirit will give us that power or resolve we need to get struggles through the struggles and the tricky situations or to overcome our own moral sluggishness. Or it may give us the power to see things more clearly, to separate the godly solution from the moral morass of intuitive solutions that we gravitate to. In any event, we need it, and we need to ask God for it. Our physical existence limits us through the gift of faith. God shows us possibilities. Our faith shows us what God has in store for you, humankind. We wait now for reality to catch up with our faith. God's word shows us the many possibilities available to us that are made visible only by our faith in it. If we can let go of our limited physical thinking, let go of the inconclusive solutions that are offered by the mind of men, and renew our minds with the new perspective God has given us, we can overcome and move beyond the past that limits us. We need to take God's word at face value and begin to ask ourselves the right questions and begin to align our thoughts, brethren, with the mind of God. We will see the lasting solution to our personal issues and problems. We must take the first steps towards God. We begin by walking, and then we will see. Without faith, we live beneath God's intention for us. It is why without faith we cannot please God. We need faith. Faith moves us from what we are to what we can be, of course, only with God's help. It is what connects us to God. Most of us, and that includes me, live beneath God's intention for us. We need to drop the bananas, those negative strongholds that are being hung on to, and start moving. We can change ourselves and our attitudes and our effect on other people. We can change our opinions. We can change direction. Only the discipline and our decision to ask God for his help are missing. We have the chance, the capacity, the answers, and most of all, we have the divine help. All the elements are there, right in front of us. Brethren, I 
you, all of us, must make the decision. We need to regularly review our life to identify those bananas, those strongholds in our lives that we need to let go of. It's a recursive process. What is not serving you well? What is the next step you need to take, brother? Let us, each one of us, ask ourselves those questions. This is a personal matter. Let us ask those questions. So Christ asks each one of us, do you really want my help? That, brethren, is a very valid question. Do we want God's help? As I look at the problems that I've had in my life thus far, and the problems I still have in my life, I many times think about this analogy of the monkey in the jungle. I have wondered, is God looking down from his throne, seeing me struggling, ensnared by our problems, ensnared by my personal problems, and shaking his head? and saying, why don't you just drop the bananas? <laughs>